Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Welcome to the inaugural class. Uh, we're all in for a, uh, a journey of a lifetime, getting to know the Siddur. You know, when Alter Rebbe, the founder of the Chabad movement, he did, grew up not knowing that his parents were great Hasidim of the Baal Shem Tev. They were sworn to secrecy. Because the Alter Rebbe had to discover, come to Hasidus on his own. And he was, when he was about 15, he uh, was searching and seeking to fulfill the obligation, you should go seek out and search out the teacher. And he said there were two centers of Jewish life then. There was Vilna, which was the center of Torah, the famous Goyen of Vilna, and then there was Mizrich, Rabbi Dovber, the Magad of Mizrich, which is like the center of prayer. And Al-Tarebbe thought to himself, he said, about Torah, about learning, I know something about learning. But about prayer, I don't know enough about prayer. So he chose to go to Mizrich. Well, we all know people are very high IQs when it comes to intelligence. But just like you have intelligent IQs, you also have emotional IQs. That people are very brilliant when it comes to intelligence, but have very low emotional IQs. You know, the heart is just as complex, if not more complex, than the mind. Just like there are people who think very deeply, you also have to learn to love deeply. And just like you can spend your lifetime developing and learning how to think, you need a lifetime to devote a lifetime to focus and learn how to develop your heart. So Torah is not enough. We also need prayer. And Alter Rebbe felt, being the genius that he was, felt that his prayer is not on the same depth and the same level as his Torah, and that's why he chose to go to Mizrich, and of course, the rest is history. The Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, would instruct the teachers of his grandchildren when they were in Cheder. In addition to everything else, he instructed them to teach them the Siddur, teach them the meaning of the prayer book. And once a month, Tzemach Tzedek himself, the Rebbe himself, who had a million Hasidim, all of Russia was practically Lubavitch Hasidim. He would call them in, his grandchildren, one by one, and he would test them. Test them on the prayer book. Make sure that they know the prayer book. So it was so important to understand the prayer book. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe said that his father, he was the only child of his father, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, Rabbi Shalom Dober, and he said his father taught him Siddur twice. The first time he taught him Siddur was when, before his bar mitzvah, when he was a boy. So he taught him the simple meaning. 
And he taught him the whole Siddur. Not only the prayers of the weekday, the prayers of the Shabbat, the prayers of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Slichas. He went through the whole Siddur. That was the first time. The second time he went through the prayer book was starting at his Bar Mitzvah. And this time he taught him more than just the simple meaning of the prayer. He taught him the Hasidic, the soul, the depth of prayer. And this started at his bar mitzvah. And sh- two years later, Shavuos, shy, just almost two years later, the previous Rebbe says, we're holding by L'Shem Yichud Kuchabrichu, which is right before the Baruch Sha'amar, which is the first part of prayer. Two years. If you don't know the meaning, the simple meaning of the words, then, then what are we doing? You know, that that's, goes without saying. But then he taught him, and each, each uh, word and each paragraph he would explain to him and tell him Hasidic stories. And most of them were explanations that he heard, that the Rebbe heard from the Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi Dovber. The prayer book has really captured the Jewish heart more than any other book. Besides the Torah, the five books of Moshe, it's the most popular Jewish book. You know, the, a Jew lives with a prayer book. From when we're young, from the youngest to the oldest, the simplest Jew to the greatest rabbi, we all pray in the same prayer book. It doesn't change. As we change and we go about our lives, the prayer book, everything we live and experience, we express in the prayer book. The rabbis say, where do you learn the mitzvah of praying? Because it says in the Torah, to serve Hashem with all your heart. What is the service of the heart? This refers to prayer, the rabbis. Because the heart, this is, the, this is where change happens. This is where the fire is. The prayers correspond to the sacrifices, the altar, the fire. So this is where, this is where a Jew experiences. Is Yiddishkeit. Why is prayer so central? The world stands on three pillars. Torah, Avoda, which is service, and kindness, Kamilus Chasad, mitzvahs, good deeds. Which one of these is the center one? Avoda. Sacrifice. And what's the substitute of sacrifice? Prayer. Which is the central book in the Torah? Leviticus, which is all about the sacrifices and the substitute for sacrifices is prayer. Why is prayer so central? Why is this a central thing? More central than Torah? More central than good deeds? Mitzvah? And why is this called a service? The service of Hashem. When I do a mitzvah, I'm also serving Hashem. When I'm studying His Torah, I'm also serving Hashem. But what do we call service? Service of Hashem is prayer. Why only prayer? And why does God need our service? I mean, we're in the service business. But what God needs our service? <laughs> what does He need from us? How are we serving Him? How are we servicing Him? What service are we providing for Him? 
And the answer, the reason why prayer is so essential and really gets to the heart and the core and essence of Yiddishkeit is because prayer is our response to Hashem. You know, a teacher knows that when are you getting through to your students? If you're not evoking any response from your students, you may as well be talking to the wall. It's only when you when the student responds, you know you're getting through to them. Prayer is our response to Hashem. God creates us. He sustains us. But if we go through life and there's no response, so what is our response to, to, to all of this? The fact that God is bringing me into existence, that God is creating the world, to everything. If there's no prayer, there's no response, then we're missing something, something essential. So prayer is all about our consciousness, our awareness and our consciousness. Why is that so essential? Isn't our consciousness overrated? We know that 99.9% .9 of the human organism happens unselfconsciously. Thank God. <laughs> we don't have to fear. The 37 trillion cells somehow, it's all taken care of. We have no clue what's going on. We couldn't even comprehend it even if we tried. We would do very well without. When we're asleep, our, our body functions fine. Why is consciousness so essential and so critical? And the answer is because that's the whole reason why God created the world. The reason why Hashem created the world is because Hashem desired to have a dwelling place in this world. He desired our consciousness. He wants our consciousness. Why He desired this, we don't know, but that is what He desired. There's a beautiful parable of Baal Shem Tov, that the king once invited everyone, all of his subjects, to come meet him. But he wasn't going to make it so easy. So they come, and he creates this optical illusion. There's this, this moat, there's fire, there's water, there's guards, there's soldiers, there's a huge tower an unbreachable wall. I mean, the king seems so unreachable. So most people just took everything at face value. They come, they tried to meet the king. It wasn't possible. There was too many obstacles, so they went back home. There was one wise one who said, wait a minute, why would the king invite me and make it impossible? So he decided to go forward. And he went, and he realized it was all an optical illusion. There was no one there. There was no wall. There was no moat. There was no fire. All there was was the king sitting there alone, waiting, <laughs> waiting for that one person to have the seichel, the wisdom, to understand and to figure it out. And that is really what prayer is. It's our consciousness. When you realize at the end of the day, the whole universe dissolves. All there is is Hashem 
and your consciousness talking to Hashem. It's person to person. It's your personal caring and personally getting involved and personally talking to Hashem, having a conversation with Hashem, responding to Hashem, crying to Hashem, talking to Hashem, praying to Hashem, begging to Hashem, praising Hashem, thanking Hashem. That's all there is. At the end of the day, that, that's really all there is. There is nothing else. There's a whole universe and this whole tumult and this whole angels and high levels of consciousness. It's all... In prayer, it's just you and Hashem. And it was that one wise one who figured that out. The first one we find in the Torah who prayed was Avram, the very first Jew. The Zohar says the flood is called the flood of Noah because he didn't pray. He didn't pray for, the, for his generation. He's building an ark for 120 years and he didn't even pray once. Abraham was the first one we find to pray. This is the essence of Judaism. It's personal. We believe in a personal God. It's person to person. It's real. It's intimate. So prayer is the conscious, this consciousness. This is how we service Hashem. This is what Hashem wants. This is what Hashem needs. We are servicing Hashem. We're giving Hashem what He needs. We're giving Hashem what He wants. Without prayer, we're just functionaries, cogs. Yes, you could, you could do all the religious duties and do the mitzvahs and do the Torah, but is there anybody home? Where's your consciousness? Where's your personal connection with Hashem? Do you care? Is this, is this real? The Kotzke Rebbe once asked his Hasidim, he says, where is, where is Hashem? Where's God? They said, no, what do you mean? God is everywhere. He says, no. <laughs> God is where you allow Him to enter. Allow him to enter into your heart. That's where Hashem is. But if there's no consciousness, and there's no response, and there's no personal connection, then there's nothing. That's why prayer is essential and the center of it all. And that's what's called service. Not the Torah, not the mitzvot. Prayer. That's how we're servicing Hashem and giving Hashem what He needs and what He wants. And so much so that we find, Maimonides says, that prayer without intent, he says, is not even prayer. Listen carefully to what he says. We have a concept that if you do a mitzvah without kavanah, or if you pray without kavanah, without intent, it's like a body without a soul. It's not just icing on the cake. I'm missing some nice icing, but I have the cake. No, a body without a soul means, what do you have? You have a corpse. <laughs> yes, you have the body is there, but it's a corpse. So the soul is essential. The, the, the intent is essential. But here Maimonides says even stronger. He says, prayer without intent ain't not filler. You don't even have a corpse. You don't have a body. You have nothing. There's no prayer. And halachically, he says, if you pray and you don't even have the intent, what intent is he talking about? There's two types of intent. There's an essential intent. Without this intent, there's no prayer, period. And you have to pray again. The essential intent is that I'm talking to God. That Hashem is standing right there and I'm standing right in front of Hashem and I'm 
conversing, I'm having this conversation, I'm talking to Hashem. Without that intent, it's not a body without a soul. Without that intent, there, there's no body. <laughs> there's nothing. So yeah, you have to pray over again. In the minimum, the beginning of the Shemoneser, the first prayer, the first blessing, you have to have this intent. If you don't have this intent, you have nothing. Then there's another intent. The second intent is to understand the meaning of the words, to understand what you're saying, the details, the specifics. And without this intent, it's like a body without a soul. Then at least I have a body. I know that I'm talking to Hashem. Because the act of prayer itself is, it's a very religious act. In a way, it's even more so than when you do a mitzvah and when you study Torah. When you study Torah, yes, you're studying the words of Hashem, but it's intellectually engaging. I'm doing a mitzvah. It's a function. It's an obligation. I can do the mitzvah by rote. But prayer is completely unnatural. No one would stand up and start talking. I mean, who are you talking to? You go into a synagogue. To us, it's so natural because we're so used to it. But when a non-Jew walks into a synagogue, it's so strange to him. He's never seen anything like it in his life. Everyone is sitting and talking to themselves. They're talking, talking. Usually people sit in the house of prayer. They sit silently with reverence, quietly lost in deep meditation. And here, everyone is talking. So to pray, it's not a natural thing. I'm talking to Hashem. The whole act of prayer is a godly act. So if you have to have that minimum kavana, that minimum intent that I'm standing before Hashem and I'm talking to Hashem, if you don't have that, then you don't have any prayer. Then, then you have nothing. You don't even have a corpse. There's nothing. But if I know that I'm talking to Hashem, but I'm not paying attention to the meaning of the words, exactly what I'm saying, so that's like a body without a soul. But consciousness, awareness, this is essential. This is the essence of prayer. This is what it's all about. It's the heart, it's the consciousness, it's the awareness. The first thousand years of the Jewish people, from when they left Egypt till the beginning of the Second Temple, the rabbis of the Great Assembly, everyone prayed in their own words. Because that's the whole meaning and purpose of prayer. It's your response to Hashem. It's you speaking to Hashem. If it's formula, if you're just repeating formula, it defeats the whole purpose. The whole beauty of prayer is, it's our response. Until the rabbis of the great assembly, they had no choice. They had to formalize the prayer. Even though it's, it could defeat the whole purpose. And the proof is that too many of us pray, and all it is is formula. A, we go through our whole life, we have no idea what we're saying. We don't know the basic meaning of what we're, the prayer is, the meaning of the word, the meaning behind each prayer. And our prayers leaves a lot to be desired. But the rabbis felt they had no choice. As Maimonides explains, that the people could no longer articulate themselves. And in a deeper sense, you know, this was the time of the end of the era of prophecy. So in a way, the world became 
like spiritually retarded. You know, it's like a difference between a normal child and a special needs child. Normal children pick things up instinctively, intuitively. You don't have to spell everything out. They just, they get it. They pick it up on their own. A special needs child could be taught a lot, but they have to be taught. You have to take them and you have to point everything out. You have to turn everything into a teaching moment. You have to train. You have to point everything out. You can't take anything for granted. And that's what the rabbis did. The rabbis saw that there was this plunge and descent from the era of prophecy. We had a million, two hundred thousand prophets where, where Jews were on such a high level, so spiritually in tune that they naturally responded to godliness. They naturally prayed to God in their own words. They were eloquent. They were poetic. They, they, their soul stirred. And then when the generations, because of the end of the era of prophecy, the world became like spiritually retarded. So the rabbis had to formalize the prayer, like taking the special needs child and pointing everything out. You're drinking a cup of water. Stop! Make a bracha. Make a blessing. Realize the miracle of this cup of water. You went to the bathroom. Realize the miracle of the human body. Of your health. But ideally, initially, essentially, the mitzvah prayer was everyone prayed in their own way, in their own words. That's the whole point of prayer. We respond to our our personal response. It's all personal. Now, prayer started before that. There are two reasons given in the Talmud why we pray three times a day. One reason is because the patriarchs prayed, instituted the prayer. Abraham instituted the morning prayer. Isaac instituted the afternoon prayer. Mencha. And Yaakov instituted the evening prayer. The other reason given in the Talmud is because of the sacrifices in the temple. Prayer is a substitute for the sacrifice. So we have, we have the, mor- the morning sacrifice, and then we have the afternoon sacrifice, and in the evening, all the leftover sacrifices, all the leftovers of the sacrifices, they had all night to offer it on the altar to burn all the uh, leftovers on the altar. So we have the three prayers. Why these two different reasons? So Hasidus explains, because there's two aspects to prayer. There's one aspect, like Avram woke up in the morning. The idea of prayer is, all you have to do is you just need to awaken the neshama. The soul is there. The soul deep down is already singing Hashem's praises. All we have to do is tune in and listen to that song, to hear that song. Because when you wake up, we're raw. So you need to focus, you need to center, you need to connect, you need to awaken that truth that's there within you. You know, we all know deep down that being healthy is the number one thing in our life, one to 10, it's 11. But that's a truth. But it's deep down, it's subconsciously. We're not necessarily in touch with that truth. So prayer, when you wake up, you're awakening 
that truth, you're bringing it to the forefront, you're bringing it to your consciousness, that you should feel that love and connection to Hashem and that faith in Hashem, that it should become palpable. Otherwise, as the Talmud says, that the thief prays to Hashem, he should be successful in his night's work. So, <laughs> you believe in Hashem, obviously, he's running to Shul, opening up the ark, praying with tears in his, in his eyes, Hashem, please, make me successful. How could you steal if you believe in Hashem? It's a contradiction in terms. Because, yes, subconsciously he believes in Hashem. But it's not a conscious force in his life. And that's why he doesn't sense the contradiction. If you believe in Hashem, how could you act this way? How could you be a religious Jew and be dishonest? If you believe in Hashem and you're keeping Shabbat and you're keeping kosher, how could you be dishonest in business? It's a contradiction in terms if there ever was one. If you believe in Hashem, how could you steal? How could you be dishonest? But that's because we're asleep. That's the human condition. We're asleep. We sleepwalk through life. We're not in touch with ourselves. Being healthy is the most important thing in the, my life. We know it for a fact. God forbid if anyone loses their health, there's nothing they won't do to regain their health. They'll undergo painful procedures. They'll bankrupt themselves. And yet... The fact is that 90% of the people, 90% of the time, actively lead unhealthy lives. How do you reconcile the two? It's a contradiction, but that's the human condition, because we're asleep. We're not in touch with ourselves. We're not in touch with our true selves. So prayer, Avram woke up in the morning. Prayer is you got to wake up. You have to take this subconscious faith that we all have deep down and bring it to the forefront. You ask most Jews, are you Jewish? Yes. Are you proud of your Jewishness? Over more than 90% of Jews will tell you, absolutely. So why don't you do Jewish? Why don't you live Jewish? Why don't you act Jewish? It's so important to you. And you're so proud of it. No, why doesn't it translate into real life? That's the human condition. We're asleep. So prayer is the time that you need to awaken this faith and to bring it to, you, to the forefront, bring it to the consciousness, till it becomes a force, a vital force in your life. Enough to actually give birth to good deeds and to change your behavior and change your life. So that's one level of prayer. That, and that's what the Talmud means that the patriarchs instituted the prayers. Because we inherit this faith from our patriarchs. And all we have to do is just awaken it. We don't have to create that love for Hashem. We don't have to invent that connection with Hashem. That faith is there. You just have to awaken it. But then the Talmud says there's another reason why we pray. It's a substitute for the sacrifice. The sacrifices, the focus of the sacrifice was taking the animal, bringing that animal, elevating that animal, bringing it to the altar and offering it to Hashem, offering it as a sacrifice. It should be consumed by the divine fire. In other words, there's another part to us. There is the godly soul. And for the godly soul, all you need is an awakening. The patriarchs. They were pure and holy. But the question is, what about the animal soul? <laughs> our ego natures. Our coarse and crass, selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed selves. That's what prayer is. Prayer is, you also have to work with your ego. You have to learn, you have to teach yourself and educate yourself and 
to, to learn to distinguish between the shell and the fruit. And it's unnatural. You have to learn to substitute love for lust. <laughs> you have to learn the difference between having fun and real joy. Between craving and hunger, fame and honor, loving money and using people, which comes naturally, or loving people and using money. None of this comes naturally. Naturally, we lust and we crave and, and that's what we're drawn towards and that's what we love and that's what we like. To learn to realize that the physical, the material is just a shell and it's just here to protect the fruit and instead of discarding the fruit as most people do and munching on the shell and wondering why they're getting ill, instead of junk food and junk lifestyle, to learn to appreciate a godly lifestyle. And it's very difficult and it's counterintuitive. And with each passing generation, the world becomes coarser and crass and more crass. You know, a little baby is very comfortable in its diaper. A sign of maturity is when the baby starts growing up and suddenly it's not so comfortable anymore. A person who's crass doesn't even realize how crass they are. They don't even realize how coarse they are. It's not possible to be liberal and loving if you yourself and your personal life are a coarse, crass, repulsive human being. You don't know the meaning of love. You don't know the meaning of genuine love and genuine kindness and genuine selflessness. So with the passing of generations, as the world has become darker and darker and more coarse and more crass, until today people parade their crassness in public, that's why the prayers have gotten lengthier and lengthier. Because when the darkness is so thick, you need a torch to light up this darkness. Because it's so counterintuitive. You know, you can, you can, you can have 10 Einsteins telling you, imagine it's in the morning and you're looking at the sun, and 10 Einsteins will swear to you that right now the sun is not shining. Would you doubt for a moment that the sun is shining? Would you doubt yourself for a moment? No. I, I, I see the sun. I, I can't explain it. Einstein, your arguments are irrefutable and they're brilliant. And, but the sun is shining. What should I tell you? You can't argue with what you see with your own eyes. So you can tell a person from today till tomorrow, there is no ego. There is no I. All there is is God. There's nothing besides God. You can hear it. You can learn it. You can study it. Uh, you know, but the sun is shining. My ego feels so good. My self selfishness and self-centeredness and self-absorption feels so natural. It's so counterintuitive. That's why in prayer you have to say again and again and again, praise Hashem and thank Hashem and repeat Hashem thousands of times. Because to get through, to be able to get through, to penetrate this darkness, to penetrate and to, to reorient ourselves, 
from being egotistical and crass and coarse and selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed to reorient the animal soul, that the animal soul instead should be consumed with the godly fire, that the animal soul should learn to appreciate and to get excited about godliness with the same passion and enthusiasm and thrill that people run to Las Vegas. The animal soul should be running to shul to do a mitzvah. This could only happen in prayer. That's the focus of prayer. Prayer has to engage the person, the whole person, the good, the bad, and the ugly, just like the temple. You would think the temple, the holiest spot on earth, you would think the temple will be a pristine place. Everyone comes in reverence, there's music playing, your eyes are closed. You're dancing with the angels. The temple, it was a schlachtis. It, it, it was a slaughterhouse. Animals, bulls, sheep, goats, blood, fire, fat. What's going on? What's, with, how, what's this doing in the temple? But that's exactly the whole point of the temple. The whole purpose and the whole point of the temple. Hashem says, I want all of you. Don't give me your meditation, your sublime otherworldly, spiritual self, your faith, that's very nice. But I want you. <laughs> I want every part of you. I want the animal within you. I want your coarseness, your crassness, your physicality. I want your body. I want your ego, your natural self. I want you should be consumed by that fire, by that enthusiasm and passion and excitement. And that's why prayer, and with the passing of time, it became so lengthy. In the early, earlier generations, it was much shorter. They didn't need, because the world was not so coarse, the world was not so crass. And they were much more spiritually in tune. So it was, it was easy for them to very quickly get focused, centered, connected, consciously connected, and they were good to go. But for us, to get the fire going and to get the excitement, it takes a long time because it's so counterintuitive. It's so opposite of everything that society is telling us. Every message that society is giving us, prayer is the exact opposite. To genuinely change, to genuinely refine yourself.